Welcome to Rise from the Ashes. Our podcast looks at various issues for families. We'll be talking with attorneys about personal and legal concerns having to do with divorce, custody, and parenting time. There are also a few topics about letting go, moving on, and new beginnings. Please keep in mind this podcast is only to inform and help to understand legal and personal issues as they relate to family law. It should not be considered as a replacement for a qualified family law attorney. When in doubt, please contact a professional. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Rise from the Ashes. I'm David Braddock, and I'll be the host for the podcast. We're talking today again with a couple of attorneys from Mundal Law. We've got Amy Rotering, who is an associate attorney. How are you doing, Amy? I'm doing great, David. Thank you. And we've also got our senior attorney at Mundal Law, Susan Mundal. How are you, Susan? I'm great, David. And we're talking today about a spousal maintenance dilemma in long-term marriages. And I understand you guys have a couple of situations that you'd like to illustrate and talk about. Absolutely. The first one is, is folks who already have a spousal maintenance obligation, and those are termed permanent maintenance obligations. We're not talking today about those that have a Karen waiver necessarily, But now they're reaching retirement age, and we're seeing more and more of this with the baby boomers who are wanting to retire, and the obligors are wanting to modify, reduce, or terminate their spousal maintenance. So we want to talk about that today and give folks, the new term now is hacks. I always call them tips, and uh, so we want to talk about that as one of the things. If we could just clarify one thing real briefly, and you know I tend to speak for the layperson. When you refer to obligors, if you could just clarify what that means. I'm pretty sure I know what that means, but just to clarify. Oh, sure. Well, an obligor is the person who pays the spousal support to the obligee. And it's a way of defining, unfortunately, for most baby boomers, the obligor is generally men, and the obligee is generally a wife who has spent time raising the kids instead of going out and working. Okay, thank you so much. And the other situation, what was that? Well, David, the other situation that we're seeing a lot is people who are in the middle of a divorce or they're contemplating divorce, and spousal maintenance is one of the issues that the parties are considering. Again, it's the same situation as with folks who are already divorced, where one spouse worked outside the home primarily, and the other spouse stayed home and took care of the children. So let's start with the folks that are paying the spousal support. What are some of their concerns? The number one, as I said, the baby boomers are wanting to retire. Their divorce decrees were done a number of years ago in a lot of these cases. So they've been paying support for years, and now they want to retire. And the question is, can they retire? That's what we want to talk about today. Some of the things they can do to help them and just what the statute says about it. And also for folks who are contemplating divorce, A lot of them are in their 40s and 50s, and they're still working, and they still have quite a number of years left to work, or they could be approaching retirement. It's important for them to consider how much are they going to have to pay and for how long, and they see that retirement on the horizon. And so a tip for them is to define what permanent spousal maintenance means. Does it mean until they die or remarry, or does it mean until they retire? 
because Minnesota statute 518.552 describes that if you're going to go for spousal support, if you're in need of it, if it's not temporary, it's considered long-term or what we call permanent, and it has no end date. And this is a problem for folks. It really is. Courts are less and less likely to grant spousal maintenance to parties these days because of the fact that many times both spouses are working outside the home. So I don't think that's something that has been on the forefront prior to the baby boomers retiring. And yet I've talked to a mediator and he said he's doing five mediations a week where they're trying to negotiate settlement in order to allow the obligor the ability to retire. I think that's the next question we need to deal with. When can you retire if you're an obligor? And Amy, I think you did some legal research recently on that. So when a party comes forward and they want to modify or they want to terminate their spousal maintenance, the burden rests on the person who's requesting the modification or termination to prove that there's been a substantial change in circumstances and that their permanent spousal maintenance obligation is unreasonable and unfair in the eyes of the law. When someone retires, a lot of times their income is going to decrease significantly from where it was when the spousal maintenance was ordered. Well, that's the cases we tend to see. Yes. I think the important point is whether that person has an income stream even beyond when they retire. But the general principle is that if the parties are going to be in an equal status in income when they retire based on their division of property at the time of their divorce, then it only makes sense that they can retire. What is that burden of proof? That's a really good question, David. When we talk about burden of proof, it means it's up to the person bringing the motion to prove to the court to grant them the relief they're requesting. I see. The responding party in a case like this also has a voice in the court. What has happened in the past a lot is that some spouses are asking for a reduction or a modification simply because they don't want to pay it anymore. So courts, in order to remedy that, what they decided in past cases is that a responding party can bring up what's called a colorful claim of bad faith. So they can say to the court, oh no, my ex-spouse just wants to stop maintenance. There's really a low burden for a colorful claim of bad faith. In fact, they don't have to do much more than make a statement that the other party's acting in bad faith. And once that happens, then the burden of proof that we just talked about shifts back to the person who's requesting the modification or termination to prove to the court that they actually are acting in good faith. I think that's a really important point, David, because we had that case in our office. We had a client who wanted to retire, but he actually paid his spousal support until he reached the age of 67. And then we said, wait a minute, he's able to receive Social Security full-time, therefore it should be presumed that he now can retire. That is still a question of fact in the courts, and it has not been decided by the legislature, which would really be helpful, and it has not been decided in case law except on a case-to-case basis. This is a really important area for folks that if they're facing this, they should talk to an attorney about this whole idea of, can I retire and when? Exactly, Susan. What courts have decided in the past when a claimant says, well, I've retired, Your Honor, I don't make as much money as I used to. Retirement in and of itself does not satisfy that burden of proof that the claimant has to come to. And when I say claimant, I mean the person who's requesting the modification or the termination. 
However, courts have ruled in Minnesota that it certainly is a strong indicator, but not in and of itself that the court's automatically going to grant their request. We're moving in that direction, but we have a long way to go yet. And I'm speculating that we're going to see more and more of this as time goes on. Right. Well, and in addition, now on the retirement, let me just mention there's a really important principle in divorces. In a divorce, you generally have a property settlement. And if it's a part of that property settlement, you go and divide the retirement assets. You cannot now, let's say you're an obligee and you want to keep receiving spousal support after your spouse wants to retire. If the spouse who wants to retire is only going to be living on the retirement assets that were granted to them as a part of the divorce, that cannot be used as income against that person for asking to continue spousal support. It's either a property settlement or income, not both. And that's a really important point because I was asked that question recently. The potential client was concerned about were they now going to attach that person's retirement account to continue to force him to pay spousal support. And I said, not if it was all awarded in the property settlement. However, we also know that if he now started getting retirement amassing after the divorce, that is available as income to determine whether spousal support should be paid going forward. Wow. That's incredible, Susan. And that just speaks to one very important reason among many that anyone contemplating divorce or changing the terms of their spousal maintenance should really see an experienced family law attorney. Because certainly before I became a lawyer, I would have never known that. And I'm guessing a lot of people don't. And it's a really important factor to consider. Right. There aren't a lot of young attorneys that really understand that area of the law. No. Unfortunately. But those of us who are heading towards retirement ourselves, we're paying a lot closer attention. Sure. I think that's the difference between someone who practices family law and a family law attorney. For an issue like spousal maintenance, you don't want to see someone who practices family law on the side until their practice takes off or as an extra source of income. You want someone who does this every day, week after week, who's in front of the court on a regular basis, who understands these principles inside and out. You know, I think now is the time for the hack. Yes. Which is, if you are contemplating divorce, and I don't care whether you're 30 or 60, you really should have a discussion on how long that spousal support, if there is going to be spousal support, and how long it will last. And I think you need to take into account nowadays someone's ability to retire. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question, Susan, because Mm -hmm. this has come up in conversation. What if a couple got divorced and they agreed to the terms of the divorce? And they agreed to the terms of spousal maintenance, and they signed a Karen waiver. How does that affect their ability to modify spousal maintenance later? That's a good question, Amy. Before you go, let me just ask the simple layperson's question. First of all, what is a Karen waiver? I believe we've talked about it before, but in lieu of going to another podcast episode, what is a Karen waiver? Thank you. It's Karen v. Karen. It was a case in which a wife agreed to accept spousal support from husband, and it was going to be for an X period of time, and it's going to be for a Y amount. So let's say it was $1,000 for 10 years. And so now, wife and Karen v. Karen, she went back to court when that was up and said, hey, I still need spousal support. 
and the court found that she had done a knowing waiver and that it was a part of the property settlement. But the reason that Amy is asking this question is that in 2008, when the world turned upside down, the financial markets and everything, parties were recognizing that a spouse may have lost their job. And I mean, there were whole sections of our economy that went under and parties wanted to go and modify the terms. Even though they had a Karen waiver, they wanted to modify the terms of the spousal support. And the court said, we are without jurisdiction to hear that because they had waived that as a part of their judgment and decree. The legislature did respond and say, yes, parties can consent, and it is now in the statute that parties can consent to change Karen waivers. The court can't do it, but parties can. And I want to clarify one other thing regarding a Karen waiver. It's actually spelled K-A-R-O-N for those of you that would like to Google it and get a written answer from from another source. <laughs> yes, written guidance. With all of the references to Karens nowadays, oh. <laughs> just to make that distinction, you know. Wow, you guys have gone a long way to clarify these issues of spousal support and how that all works. Are there any other things that you'd like to try to clarify? No, I think it is just that when you're dealing in a divorce, you need to talk about retirement benefits and about that division and how it is affected by spousal support. I think that's one. I think the other is if you are looking to modify or terminate your spousal support obligation, that you really seek out an experienced attorney who works exclusively in the area of family law or it's their primary and who has dealt with these issues before in order to help you through that situation. Does that include people not only who are going to be obligors or those paying spousal support, or you'd be able to assist people who are receiving spousal support as well, I'm sure? Oh, absolutely. I think it works both ways. The final thing we should say is we do want to wish you a happy retirement. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We all deserve to retire. There we go. Thank you very much, Amy. Thank you, David. It was great to be here. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, David. You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundal Law website at mundallaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters.